What's better than two professionals talking Flyers hockey? Two amateurs. This is Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now put the kids to bed and crank it up. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Podcast partner of PhilliasFlyer.com. This is Getting Bullied, and I am your host and fearless leader, Mark Giannone. And as always, I'm joined by Phillies Flyer writer, the best of the best, Dan Silver. Dan, what's up, buddy? Mark, man, it's been, uh, it's been a couple weeks since we did one of these. I'm sure our fans are absolutely chomping at the bit to get a little bit of uh, Flyers analysis from us, lining up. Yeah, I think all um, you know, the tens and tens of fans we have are uh, are going to be excited to listen to what we have to say on the absolutely terrible Philadelphia Flyers and uh, a very poor product being put in front of us right now. Philadelphia has to thank God that the Eagles exist, otherwise they would be slamming their heads against the wall with what they've seen from the Flyers in recent weeks. I mean, I think that's probably taking it a little bit far, but yes, <laughs> the Flyers have lost, I think, five out of the last six games. They've lost four in a row. The last two games, Winnipeg, they had a what a two-goal lead, which they blew. They had a lead against Calgary, which they blew. They're, uh, they're not playing well right now, and there's a lot of cause for concern. We've got a suspension to a key member of the defense corps. Um, you know, it's uh, there's a lot there's a lot of problems to talk about with this hockey team right now, and uh, we're going to talk about them. Yeah, um, I guess we could open up with kind of the ugly since we've been away, and that is the uh, that was the penalty and what led to the suspension of Radko Gudis. Uh, just a really idiotic play and. Honest to God, at first glance, when I first saw it on the replay, I'm like, oh, he was just emphatically putting his stick on the ice, and Matthew Perot's head happened to be there. And then I saw it again, and I'm like, oh, no, he tried to take the guy's head off with his stick. You can't do that. And now he's suspended for 10 games, and in a season already where you were, you've been depleted by injuries and such to your defensemen, one of your better defensemen is out for 10 games at a time where you probably need him most right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you watch Game of Thrones at all. But no, I don't. I sort of, okay, well, there's a, uh, a big decapitation scene at the end of the first season. And I, I, I sort of equated it to that. I think I, I put an image up on uh, Twitter that was basically that and equating it to what Gudis did. I mean, yeah, look, there's absolutely no defense for what Gudis did. I know Perot's an agitator. And a lot of people probably want to do that to him, but that doesn't mean you can actually try and take the guy's head off. So I think 10 games was fair. Um, it's uh, he, The real shame about this is that after Gudis' second suspension, which was the six-gamer, I really thought that he'd kind of turned the corner because he hadn't done anything insanely dirty since then. And I was really hopeful that Gudis was kind of had found an inner peace and he was just doling out his low hip checks and uh, being physical without crossing the line. So for him to do this just was just really disappointing, especially because my goal with him was to potentially trade him at the deadline yeah, or yeah. in the off season to make room for Sam Moran. 
And I think this really devalues him. I mean, the guy's now had three suspensions in the NHL, three games, six games, ten games. What's the next one? Is he out of the league? So, you know, he's just going to have to really, really come back and and play extremely carefully. And that's going to probably impact the way that he plays, too. So there's just nothing good about this suspension to Gudis. You're 100% right in the fact that it's going to affect the way he plays. He's a very physical tough guy and he plays with an edge he plays with a sense of physicality that a lot of players just don't have and with his history with this incident in particular the refs are going to be watching him under a microscope and it's gotten to the point now where he's handcuffed himself to where he can't be the player that he needs to be and the flyers need him to be and we're getting into this cycle uh, that we were in once before with Zach Ronaldo, where it was just time and time again, it was dumb play after dumb play after dumb play, suspension after suspension. The difference is Zach Ronaldo might have been actually retarded. And I think Radko Gudis has a good head on his shoulders. He knows what's right and what's wrong, but his anger, his temper, his aggression overtakes him sometimes. The other big difference between Radko Gudis and Zach Ronaldo is Radko Gudis provides some positive play and some good play at his position, where Zach Ronaldo was basically just a loose cannon, bowling ball, rolling downhill, taking out anybody in his way, and he didn't care how he did it. This is a huge loss for the Flyers, especially right now in the woes that they're in. They're having trouble scoring, and we, they were defending well, in, the, in recent games, and then they come out against Calgary on Saturday, allow a hat-trick in the second period alone, give up four goals, ultimately five in overtime, and end up losing the game. This is a team that right now doesn't have a direction. It looks like they have no idea what they're doing. A lot of people are blaming the coach, and for once, I'm not. He has some blame to do here with what's going on with the team at the moment, but ultimately... He's handcuffed himself because he's only like he can only work with what he has. He can only mix up the lines so much with the players that he has. And what really it boils down to is the players that he has aren't good enough. Yeah, I mean, Gudis, I think, had the best advanced stats of any of the defensemen on the team. Santa was second. It's going to be, it's going to hurt. I, I totally agree with you about. Dave Haxtell, I think. So, you know, he's this year, the guys on this team that everyone hates, Dale Weiss, Yori Laterra, he's not playing them very much. Dale Weiss is not getting much ice time. Yori Laterra is only playing when someone else is injured. I feel like the Lions have been decent. They, they mix them up again. It looks like tomorrow night uh, you're going to have the first line, but then you're going to have, uh, I, I think it was. Um, uh, Patrick Simmons and Wheel potentially on the second line. Um, and then they were going to move Raffle up to the third line with Konechny and Philpula. And then uh, Lear and Lawton and then Laterra on the fourth line. So I think they're going to change the lines around a little bit. I, I find it very hard to fault Dave Haxtell. Now here's the thing. the Part of the reason the Flyers lost the game to the Calgary was uh, undisciplined penalties. Shane Gossister yelling at the refs from the from the bench. It was a poorly officiated game. 
but you can't be taking penalties like that. I don't know if that's the coach's fault. I don't know if both was a loose cannon at that point. But I think there's there's some coaching involved there. But yes, I think Dave Axel in general has done a better job coaching the team this year than he had last year. It's hard to blame him. And look, you know, this team is only three points out of a playoff game, out of a playoff spot. However, there's five teams that they would have to jump over to make the playoffs. Montreal Canadiens fans are literally jumping off of the island. I learned that this summer. Montreal's actually an island. They're all lining up to jump off the island because of how horrible that team is playing. The Canadians have 18 points. That's two fewer points than the Flyers. So that should put things in perspective. I hear a lot of people talking about they're only three points out of a playoff. So yeah, that's true. But it's really hard to leapfrog over five teams. It's early in the season. I, I don't see any indications that this is a playoff team. Um, the Athletic, which has got some good writers on their staff, uh, one of them, Dom Lachizan, puts together a updated daily playoff possibility chart, probability chart, based on a number of things, strength of schedule, how the team's been playing, advanced stats, you know, 5v5 Corsi. And it gives an 18% chance to make the playoffs. That's not a lot. That's not a very good chance to make the playoffs. So, you know, there's definitely cause for concern here. And I, as I think we're going to get to a little bit later, it raises the question of do you start thinking about trading away some of the core players on this team? I think it might be a little too early, but depending on how the next few months goes, it, it, it might become a reality. Well, <clears throat> the reality, and here's a, a stat that I've learned in recent days here that as early as it may seem right now in the season, it isn't actually that early because as a stat that I saw was just around 75% of the teams that are in the playoff picture on Thanksgiving are end up making the playoffs at the end of the season. And that's dating back to, I think it was 2005, 2006. So right now, as it stands, and as it might end up shaking out, because we're, what, three days away, four days away from Thanksgiving, the Flyers are not going to be in that playoff picture. So if everything holds true, 75%, I'll take those odds. If you're, you know, if you tell me I have a 75% chance of doing anything, then I'm going to like my chances. So if the Flyers are out of the playoff picture, at Thanksgiving, and this was a stat that I saw multiple articles about, so apparently it's a big deal to be in the playoff picture come Thanksgiving. This is American Thanksgiving, because I know we have two different ones, us and Canada. So the Flyers aren't shaping up to really be a playoff team, and I know before the season started, me and you were both kind of on the fence as to whether or not they were going to be a playoff team. I was leaning more towards the fact that they weren't, and then they came out hot in the first couple weeks, and you thought, okay, maybe there's something here with this team. Maybe all this youth is going to be doing something good, and you know they're going to be able to catch lightning in a bottle, if you will, and make a strong playoff run, whatever. But that's just not the case. And I crunched a little bit of numbers. I you know did some basic math, and the scoring depth is not there on this team. Everybody knows that. It's a 1,000% fact. You can't deny it. The first line, obviously, uh, I'm sorry, Voracek, Couturier, and Giroux. Total, combined, 25 goals, 68 points total. I didn't bother tallying up assists because it is what it is. The other forwards on the team, 
total have 22 goals and 51 assists. They are getting largely outscored by their first line. There is zero depth on this team. The Flyers are 23rd in the league in team scoring, and that's goals per game. This is not a playoff team because there is no depth after that first line. Travis Konechny finally got his head out of his ass and started shooting, and you're starting to see why he wasn't shooting, because he can't hit the net. There is no continuity. There is no chemistry. Nobody, it seems, to be able to get hot on this team, and it's affecting the team as a whole. Brian Elliott was playing his ass off last week, allowing one goal against Minnesota in back-to-back games, and they got shut out in both of them. There is huge problems with scoring on this team. There has been huge problems with scoring on this team, not just this year, last year, and even the year before that. This team hasn't been able to score. So you brought it up, and I'm going to just say that it needs to happen. The core of this team, Giroux, Simmons, Voracek, I'm going to lump Couturier in there. The core of this team needs to get blown up. They need to start selling pieces. If you want to have this youth movement Go all in and start getting rid of these guys while their value is somewhat high. Because the the later it gets in the season, if they keep... Uh, look, all you can hope for now is the first line plays as well as they have been and your their value just goes up. But if you, don't, if you hang on to all of them this year, they're only going to get older. They're only going to diminish in their skill. Their value is as high as it gets, especially Wayne Simmons, because he's got a contract coming up soon. So teams are going to want to have that guy in control so they can negotiate themselves with him and they don't have to inherit any contract the Flyers may or may not give him. This team has to get blown up. This core that they built when they traded Carter and they traded Richards on in one day and they've pretty much acquired all of these guys except Giroux, Simmons, Voracek, Couturier was the draft pick that they ended up getting, and Braden Shen, who's not here anymore, this core has not delivered nearly enough as to what the Flyers thought and what they promised the fans that this core would deliver. Yeah, I think that uh, I, I think you need to wait probably a month or two. And I think I, the value on these guys is probably going to be highest around the trade deadline. I still think that's the case because there's going to be a lot of teams that would be interested in those players. I think it's going to be, you know, where all are the Flyers two months from now? Are they, you know, one of the, here's one of the problems with the NHL these days is that the way that the point system works where you get two points for a win and one point for a tie, there's, there's a loss, an overtime loss or a shootout loss. There's so many three point games that again, it's deceiving when you see that the Flyers are only three points out of a playoff game. So fans of teams other than the Sabres, or I think the Canucks are the other team that's or no the Arizona. So Arizona's got 11 points and Buffalo's got 14 points. Other than that, every single team, the fans could convince themselves, hey, we're only five points out of a playoff spot. No, you, you don't realize how many how many games you have to win and how many streaks you have to go on to make up that kind of ground in the NHL these days. But one of the problems is that the Flyers are going to be six points out of a playoff spot two months from now, and and the team's going to be like, oh, hey, we've got a shot to make the playoffs, and they're mm -hmm. not going to make the trades. That's where you need the GM, hopefully, to be smarter than that. Now, look, if, if two months from now the Flyers are in a playoff spot and they've gone on a couple tears, then yes, give these guys a chance. But 
if if they are five, six points out of a playoff spot, I think you need to look at trading some of these guys because here's the decision that Ron Hextall's got to make, right? This might be the best year that Voracek, Giroux have in a while, and it's probably un- – unlikely that it's going to continue after this year. Now, maybe it will. But you're right. This is when their value is going to be the most. Borchek and Giroux have huge contracts. Simmons, so, you know, who knows who's going to want to take those contracts on with those guys. Simmons' contract is up in a couple of years. Uh, I think he's got – he's a, a free agent after the 2018-2019 season. So next year is his last year before free agency. You're going to have to make a decision on him. But – the Flyers have so many good young prospects, and a lot of them are blo- really blossoming, which we'll talk about in a little bit, that if Ron Hextall, if he thinks this team can win a Stanley Cup in the next two to three years, he should hold on to Giroux, Voracek, Simmons. But in the what's looking like an increasingly more likely scenario that this team's not going to be ready to win a Cup for three to five years – you really need to look at trading those guys. Um, it's going to be difficult because if you trade those guys, the team is is really going to be bad, and the fans in Philadelphia are fairly impatient, right? We were we were expecting to make the playoffs this year, so now you're going to set that process back two years by trading away two of our best players. That's going to be a really tough sell in Philadelphia, and probably a tough sell for Hextall to make to, you know, the the folks that he reports to, whoever those guys are. So. I don't know. There's a lot of variables coming to play, but I do think that if this team is six to seven points out of a playoff spot in a few months from now, they really do need to look at, at trading some of these guys. The Flyers, and I love this phrase. I hear it so many times on the radio and everything. The Flyers are like two years away from being two years away. Realistically, they are about four to five years away from being legitimate Stanley Cup contenders and for really to really be in that conversation. This team, if Ron, I'm sure he doesn't. And I know you didn't mean it the way, you know, I know you didn't mean it as he thinks that it is. But if Ron Hextall honestly believes that this team can win a Stanley Cup, he is out of his fucking mind because this team has zero chance of winning a Stanley Cup this year or next year or the year after that as it is constructed right now. If you have all these prospects, if you're telling us to be patient, you don't want to make the big move at the deadline to make a push for the Cup or the playoffs or anything like that, then that's fine. But if you're going to tell us that, then go all in and start getting rid of these guys and furthering, further building that prospect pool. Because the more you have, the more chances you have of getting it right. You know, and I, and I always I always kind of compare the Flyers to other sport, other teams in the city. In some in some aspects, it's just to do that. And you're gonna look at the Sixers, and the Sixers brought on this whole trust the process bullshit and everything like that, and the fans bought in. Well, here's the difference. The Sixers told you they were going to suck. The Sixers told you that they weren't going to win. They weren't trying to win. The Sixers had no talent on their team. The Flyers are telling you that they that they think they can make the playoffs. They're telling you that they have a lot of talent on this team that could make some noise down late in the season and in in some kind of a playoff push. So there is the difference. The team, the 
franchise, the organization is telling us that they have a shot at making the playoffs. When in reality, if you look at this team, the way it's constructed, if you look at how every single player, every forward on the team is literally a carbon copy of the guy next to him and the fact that when he has a puck on a stick, he's thinking, I'm going to pass it to the guy. I'm going to pass it to somebody else. There's too many guys. There's too many two-way forwards on this team. And we've said this time after time after time. And really, there's nobody, even in the organization most likely, that could be that consistent sniper scorer that they need. There's guys down in the minors that might develop into that, but it's nobody that's going to come up if they brought them up and is really going to make some noise and really going to help this team push their scoring to even middle of the pack in the league. So really, when you look at it, you have to just start selling pieces because you're not going to win the cup this year. You're not going to win the cup next year. You have to start selling these guys, get as many young players, young prospects, whatever, as you can to build the next core because the core that you have now is old and their skill is getting worse. So get in players that, have more promise than the guys that you have right now. One thing I want to talk about briefly is because I've been seeing, again, I've been seeing a lot of this. The Flyers are only three points out of a playoff spot. Their advanced stats are really good by the advanced stats. They're the third best team in the division. And once the secondary scoring picks up, you know, the, the Flyers will suddenly, you know, vault into being a playoff team. Here's a couple things I want to say on that. And again, this team could make the playoffs. It's not likely. Here's the thing. The f- there, you, there's no way that the Flyers are one of the best three teams in this division. It's just they're not better than Columbus. They're not better than the Penguins. They're not better than the Islanders. I don't think they're better than the Capitals. New Jersey's leading the division. They might be the only team that you could argue the Flyers are better than. I don't think they're better than the Rangers. So those advanced stats are, are going to come back to the mean. Right, last year the Flyers were worse than almost all those stats. Um, you talk about Corsi, five v five, and uh, so if they're third right now, they're probably come back to the mean because they're not the, a top three team in the division. So their performance for the rest of the year, those underlying stats, is they're probably going to get worse. In addition to that, do you really think that Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek, and Sean Couturier all continue to be top 15 in in points in the league? No. No. Like, there's no – all three of those guys right now are on pace to have more than 82 points this season. That's not going to happen. I'm sorry. So what you have to also realize is that our top line is not going to continue to score like they have early on this season. I feel like everyone who's saying we're only three points from the playoffs, blah, 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 is not realizing that a lot of the things that actually have been going the way of this team are not going to continue to go this way. Sean Couturier is not going to score more than 82 points this season. So you better hope that the secondary scoring picks up because that first line is not going to perform like this all season long. Brian Elliott has been lights out the last two weeks. He's not going to be like that all season long. So this team is going to come back to the mean on some of those. So for them to make the playoffs, the secondary scoring is going to have to be much better than it currently is. He's like, I'm so tired. I'm so sick and tired of where sports is going with these secondary stats and everything like that. The people that like read into that and base 
arguments and conversation on that can take those stats and just shove them up their ass. Because what you have to just what you have to base everything off of is what you see on the ice. And you see a team that comes out nine times out of ten, they're flat in the first period. Nine times out of ten, they have they can't score. You know, they can't they they have a hard time scoring more than two goals a night on most occasions. So you're you're absolutely right. Everything that they're doing right now, especially that first line, is going to even out. That's just how it look, you they're on a hot streak right now. They've opened up the season on a nice hot streak. But you're absolutely right. If the secondary scoring doesn't pick up, who the hell do you think teams are going to key in on when they're playing the Flyers? The top line. They're going to put their best players against the top three best players on the Flyers who are all playing on the same line, and if they shut them down, they win the game. It's simple as that. It's That's what you need to focus on, all you fans out there with your secondary stat bullshit. Just think of it like this. Basic X's and O's. You have three of the best players on the team playing on the same line. If you shut down that line, you win the game because nobody else on the fucking team can score. And that's what the Flyers have become. They are one-dimensional in the fact that they have three guys that that can consistently put the puck in the net. And any team in the NHL worth a damn is going to exploit that. They're going to shut them down, and they're going to win the game, and the Flyers are going to be zero threat to anyone in this league. If anybody thinks the Flyers are the third best team in this league, they are high off their ass. This team is not a good hockey team. This team blows. This team will come back down to earth in these secondary stats, and then everyone's going to be like, oh, I thought they were, you know, if they would have just done this and done that, they would have been in the playoffs. No. Just accept the simple fact that this team is not going to do what you think they're going to do. Get the orange-colored goggles off of your face and look at them for what they are, an average to below-average hockey team that has a lot of holes and not the, and doesn't have all the players to fill those holes right now. I want to talk about one guy who I'm really excited about how he's been playing the last few weeks, and that's Travis Sandheim. Because yes. he is, with all the injuries on defense, he's really had a chance to, um, to shine. And he's a guy that he's still looking for his first NHL goal, but he's had, you know, five to ten really good opportunities. The first goal is going to come, and then a lot more are going to come. Um, he's he's jumping into the play. He's playing much better defensively. To Dave Haxtell's credit, he's giving him, a, you know, free reign out there. He's giving him a pretty loose leash. Last year. You know, Haxtell was scratching guys like Gostas Bear and Konechny when they were making some defensive mistakes. Haxtell's not doing that this year, to his credit. And I think one of the guys that's really benefiting from that confidence is Travis Sanheim. So I've really enjoyed watching Sanheim's play come along. And I, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to score a lot of points from the blue line for this team for many years to come you, with him, Provrov, and Ghost. I think the offensive side from our defense core is in pretty good hands. And uh, your boy, Phil Myers, has been injured a lot of the year, but he's uh, he just came back for the Phantoms last week, and I think he put up a few points, was the number two star in one of those games. You know, so listen, the, there still are, you know, the future is still very bright with this franchise, and I'm not quite as harsh about it this year. I still think they have a chance to make the playoffs, but it's, it's not a very good chance. Um, and... You know, I mean, I just, uh, I don't know. I hope they can 
find a way. This is a huge week because they're playing the Islanders twice. Mm-hmm. You know, they play the Islanders Wednesday here in New York. I'll be at that game. And then, you know, the traditional Black Friday afternoon game, they play um, at the Wells Fargo against the Islanders. The Islanders are one of the teams that they're chasing, and the Islanders have been playing pretty damn well recently. Matthew Barzal has come on as a tremendous second-line center for them. He looks like between him and Clayton Keller, one of those two guys is going to win Rookie of the Year probably. And they're a tough team. And a lot of these Flyers fans think that they're going to jump right back into the playoff push. This could be a tough week. They, they, they better beat Vancouver on Tuesday night because if they don't, I think, uh, I think the Islanders are going to give them a lot of, a lot of problems. Yeah, they finished the month. The last five month, uh, the last five games rather of this month are against divisional opponents. As you mentioned, two against the Islanders, and then next Monday they play in Pittsburgh. So those are three huge games. Where, if you're right, if you're going to climb back into this thing and start putting up a fight in this division, these are as important as any game can get in the month of November. They have to win those games. They have to. Not even win. They have to just. They have to accumulate as many points as they possibly can in those three games. And I'm not trying to poo-poo the fact that they have other, you know, two other games against Vancouver and San Jose to close out the month. But at this point, those are out out of conference opponents. They have to dominate as much as they possibly can these three division games to close out this month if they're going to have a prayer of getting back into this playoff picture because as we saw last year when they went on that 10 game winning streak and they barely made a scratch in the division this division is closed this division is this is a they play in a very good division and the teams are all so close together that even a 10 game winning streak last year couldn't do anything in the way of building somewhat of a lead and putting some breathing room behind the other teams in the division the problem is the Flyers are probably the worst team currently in the division. Maybe you can make an argument for like a Carolina or something, but you know, as it sits right now, the Flyers have a lot of work to do if they're going to make a, a a good shot at a at a playoff run right now. And they have to treat every single division game they have this season like it's a playoff game in itself. They need that motivation that we've seen them lack game in and game out where they come out and it's like they just woke up from a nap and rolled out on the ice and, you know, they're just getting teams are skating circles around them. So they need to come out with some fire and it starts tomorrow because they need to get off this losing streak that they're on. So they need to go out and they need to beat up on Vancouver a little bit, assert their dominance and build some momentum going into these next two games later in the week against the Islanders. Yeah, no, listen, I, I totally agree. They got to come out and they got to bury Vancouver. I mean, Vancouver is has not been a great team so far this season. They're they're above 500. They've got more points than the Flyers. Uh, but they're, you know, the 3-5-2 and two in their last 10. They've been struggling a little bit. They are, interestingly enough, they're 6-3 and three on the road. They're only 3-5-3 three, and three at home. So Vancouver has been a good road team. But, you know, the Flyers... The Flyers need to come out and beat up on Vancouver, just like you said, Tuesday, and then carry that momentum in against the Islanders Wednesday and Friday because those games are huge. All right. You um, you want to piss people off, half the fan base? Yes. <clears throat> well, right. not not intentionally, but if it's entertaining, you know. Well, you know, this, this city, these fans have been very divided on one major topic in particular, and for – 
Um, a pretty obvious reason this this topic has come back up, and that is the topic of the Braden Shen trade from uh, draft night. And Braden Shen is literally killing it in the league right now. And this was something that took Shen haters by complete surprise. And of course, the people that love Shen are just standing there with their you know with their hands on their hips, like I told you, you know, I told you, you guys gave up on him too too soon. Um, first of all, where do you stand on? the Braden Shen trade and where do you stand on how he's been playing? And if in, re- in hindsight's always 2020, but in retrospect, would you still make the move that the flyers made trading, trading Shen to St. Louis? So I'm really glad I want to talk about this. I'm glad you brought it up. There's a couple of important components here to understand. So the first is Braden Shen is fourth in the NHL in points. He's fourth. He has 26 points in 21 games. He's the guy that we we're all complaining about not being good five on five. He's a plus 15, Braden Shen is this year. The only guys ahead of him in points are Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, and Johnny Garou. Mm. Shen is tied with Jaden Swartz, his, uh, his line mate, with 26 points. So am I upset that we made the trade? No. The reason for that is that Ron Hextall and Dave Hextall clearly made up their minds that Braden Shen was not going to be an integral part of this team. And at the time, look, I've never been a Braden Shen fan. I watched him play the last few years with the Flyers. I thought he looked lost five on five at times. He would make stupid plays, take dumb penalties sometimes. You know, not a not a huge fan of his, and was didn't think he had a high a high hockey IQ. Was happy when they traded him, right? And and clearly, Dave Hextall and Ron Hextall uh, agreed with that general sentiment. So now I'm having to sort of reevaluate everything. Look, it's only a quarter of the way into the season. He's playing with uh, one of the best players in the league, and Tarasenko. Um, Tarasenko's got 22 points this year. He's he's phenomenal, and Jaden Schwartz is a very good player too. So Shen is playing with two very good players. But I'm now starting to wonder if the the Flyers maybe didn't give Braden Shen the opportunity to do what he's doing in St. Louis, right? He the Flyers relegated him to left wing because they just didn't think that he could make it as an NHL center. Now he's centering arguably the second or third best line in the league. So I've been trying to reevaluate my opinion of Braden Shen. I need to watch him a little bit more in St. Louis, but more importantly, I am hoping that Ron Hextall and Dave Hextall will watch some games of Braden Shen and evaluate it themselves. Because look, maybe, maybe Braden Shen is just getting very lucky this year so far and he's got great teammates and this is not going to last. But if Braden Shen all of a sudden is one of the best 10 players in the NHL, then we need to reevaluate what we saw in him and why we did not give him the confidence to become what he's become in St. Louis. So I don't know if that makes sense. I'm not upset about the trade because he was never going to get this opportunity in St. in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. But I'm a little bit, you know, I'm struggling with the fact of maybe I didn't evaluate him properly. And more importantly, our coach and our GM maybe didn't evaluate him properly, maybe gave up on him too early. So, you know, I, 
I'm I'm happy with the return, but if if he's going to become a top ten scorer moving forward, then clearly the Flyers lost this trade, uh, and I, I I think it's important to look back on it and and see where the misevaluation occurred. I'll always remember um, when they acquired Braden Shen, and that was part of the obviously the blockbuster move. And I'll never forget the trade because it was on my birthday. I remember laying on the couch and just happened to be watching NHL Network and it came across the screen when the Flyers traded their captain, Mike Richards, to the Kings. And my head nearly spun around because I loved Mike Richards. But then you started hearing about the return and you kept hearing about this young prospect they got, Braden Shen, who everybody that broke that trade down said this is the best prospect in the NHL. The Flyers got the best prospect in the National Hockey League. And he never, as a flyer, lived up to that potential because in my mind, in my view, the Flyers tried making Braden Shen too much of a project. They constantly, it seemed every year they were moving him to a different position, changing his role, changing, trying to change his game, and they never gave him a chance to just go out there and be the player that he wanted to be. And that's why... I think you found him lost at times, like you said, and it seemed like he just didn't really understand the game because I felt, I feel like he was just confused because his role was constantly changing with this team. And then they give him the contract and you're like, okay, they must like him a good bit if they're extending him. And then you blink your eye and you're on draft night and he's gone for two first round picks. And for you, if anybody actually sits here and says that that was a bad trade, then, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Because it's kind of like what you said. The Flyers didn't value Braden Shen the way, obviously, the St. Louis Blues did. He was never going to get the chances that he's getting in St. Louis. So for you to get two first-round picks for a guy that, on this team, was kind of a one-trick pony and just a power play guy, that's huge. But the underlying issue of this whole thing is not Braden Shen. It's the people in charge of evaluating Braden Shen. And you touched on that, and you're absolutely right. That is, it's not what you and I, it's not how we evaluated Braden Shen, the player. It's how the people in charge of the team evaluated Braden Shen, the player. And it's not just Hackstall, it's not just Hextall. There's scouts and there's other coaches and everything like that. Nobody stepped up and said, no, 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 no. You are just using this guy wrong. He is a good player. He knows what he's doing. You're not using him properly. And now you see the, the classic, and everyone's going to say it, if he, if he keeps this up, you're going to hear about this curse-type thing Philadelphia has where you have a player, you don't know what you have until it's gone, he goes somewhere else, wins a championship, or plays out of his mind. And so far, that's what you're seeing Braden Shen do. And you're right. A lot of it has to do with the fact that he's playing with two of the best players in the league. I mean, it's it's easy to play against, or I mean, it's easy to play with Vladimir Tarasenko and put up numbers. Uh, you know, most players in the league can do that. But this all comes back if he is this, if, like if this is for real, if this is him, if this is the player he's going to become. The Flyers made a huge mistake in evaluating this player, and they let him walk, and 
we're left here with draft picks, and that's great and all, but draft picks, no matter where they are, are a question mark. There's no deadlock draft pick. I mean, there are some, obviously, McDavid's, the Matthews, Ovechkin's, Crosby's, players like that, but they don't, they're not in every draft. So, and St. Louis is obviously a good team, so their draft pick's not going to be high anyway. So the Flyers, you're absolutely right. If they, if Braden Shen keeps this up all year, you got to think that they fucked up, and you got to think that they need to look within themselves and how they're evaluating these players and figure out where the hell they went wrong with Braden Shen. Uh, yeah, I think that's exactly it. I, I completely agree with that. Um, it's another thing that's going to be really interesting to track all season long. Is he going to keep up this this kind of performance? Um, but yeah, I just think it, it's really important for Ron Hextall to, to and Dave Hextall to really examine the situation, see maybe what, where they went wrong, and avoid that in the future. Like the way that they're letting Travis Sanheim go out there and play hockey, that's what I feel like they didn't let Braden Shen do. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is why I'm, I'm hoping that Dave Hextall has kind of turned a corner, and I've really liked what I've seen from Sanheim. And sort of letting him, you know, let me be me is what who did who said that Iverson or Donovan McNabb? I don't even remember. Let me be me. But anyway, that's what I'm going to see them do with some of these talented hockey players, right? They've they've got a, a ton of young kids who are going to be coming up. Let them play their game, and and don't try to pigeonhole them into a spot where you might just, you know, s- cause them to stagnate their growth. Right. I think with Hacksaw that we're seeing this year is he's honestly, he's in a position and as much as I've hated on Dave Hackstall in the past year, he's honestly in a position where it's almost like he's saying, I don't have any other option. You know, last year there were a lot more veterans on this team to where he had that option to try to bury the rookies and, you know, put them up in the press box and stuff like that. He doesn't have that this year. Because these young guys are now, you know, the main players on this team. And they've gone through so many injuries with the defense that he doesn't have a choice but to play these guys as much as he can. And you're beginning to see that, all right, maybe they should have did, and we all been saying it, they should have did this last year. Just go out and let them play. And you're seeing a cornerstone of this franchise like Travis Sanheim start to come into his own in the league because they don't have the option anymore to put him in the press box and have him observe or whatever the hell they think he's going to be, or not him, but any, everyone, anybody, whatever they think that any player is going to do up in the press box. They don't have a choice this year, but to play these guys. And ultimately it's going to be beneficial to these players that we're banking so much on. And it's going to be beneficial to the team. So as much as I don't like Dave Haxtell, he's doing things the right way. But I don't know if that's so much his choice or just the fact that he's handcuffed. He doesn't have any other option, so he has to just roll these players out there and just let them play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, uh, I think um, I'm so sick. Let's talk about some prospects. I'm so sick of talking about this team. They're just yeah. Yeah, they're freaking... you're the, you're the prospect man around here. You f- you follow all this stuff. You have all the fancy tv packages and things like that there's a yeah so there's it's been an unbelievable last three weeks for the flyers prospects they 
across almost all these leagues, these guys are playing tremendous. And, I, you know, we just talked about Braden Shen. So, you know, I think it's important to talk about Morgan Frost, who is the guy that they drafted with the first, um, you know, with, with the uh, first pick that they got in the Braden Shen trade. And he's a guy that I really like. You know, you uh, he plays like Crosby. We've already talked about that a little bit. You like making fun of me for, for making that <laughs> statement. He scored an unbelievable OT goal uh, a couple nights ago where he got the puck and he did like a spinorama in the slot to make like this unbelievable pass to a teammate. And actually, it uh, it confused the goalie so much that it, the, the puck went off the goalie's stick and in. He got the OT winner. But this year, Morgan Frost has got 28 points in 22 games playing on the first line for Salt St. Marie. He's a plus 21, and almost all of his points have been primary points, meaning that he doesn't have a whole lot of secondary assists. They're all, uh, you know, most of the 17 assists are all ones that have been passes right from him. And he's been getting a look potentially on the Canadian World Junior team, uh, if not this year, certainly next year. He's, he's just really coming to his own as a playmaking center for Salt St. Marie. Um, some of the other guys that they drafted this year have really, really come on of late as well. Um, Strom has been tremendous. Uh, he's uh, he started off slow, and obviously, you know, the Flyers and everyone know that he has to improve his skating. But uh, Matt Strom has, I think, over the last two weeks, he's he's put together a ton of points. He's he was averaging two points a game over the last two weeks. He's up to twenty points in twenty games. He's a plus three. He's been playing really well. And then the second round pick that they had, the 6'6", Isaac Ratcliffe. Go on Twitter, check out my account at DSilver88, or just search Isaac Ratcliffe. He scored an unbelievable goal this week where he skated up the right wing and then made a sick move around the defenseman and beat the goalie top shelf from a 6'6 guy. And he's also just been really streaking of late. Those guys started a little slowly, Radcliffe and Strom, but they've been playing a lot better. And one kid I really want to talk about is in college because I didn't know much about him heading into this season. And he's now literally the fourth leading scorer in uh, in college hockey, and that's Cooper Marodi. So he's a guy who – he's a junior. He goes to Michigan. He's 20 years old. I think he was um, academically ineligible last year, so he didn't play much. But this year, he's, he's fourth in the NCAA in scoring with 20 points in 12 games. Just absolutely killing it. I watched some of his highlights. He looks a little bit like, and he's obviously not on the same level, but he plays the game a little bit like a Clayton Keller, Patrick Kane, where he's just a small, shifty guy who's a great passer. He's got 16 assists in 12 games. He's, he's the first-line uh, center, I believe, for Michigan. And he's been phenomenal. He's a guy I didn't know a lot about. Flyers drafted him in the sixth round in 2015. And he's had a couple of years where, you know, due to the academic ineligibility and injuries, he hasn't gotten a shot. But he's been phenomenal this year. And he's a legitimate Hobie Baker candidate. And then there's Wade Allison, who we talk about how this organization doesn't have a lot of uh, snipers in the system. He's a guy who had a good year as a freshman last year at Western Michigan. He was the um, Flyers, I think, let's see, he was their second-round pick in 2016. He was decent last year. He had 12 goals, 17 assists in 36 games. 
this year he's been on fire, man. He's got 17 points in 13 games, eight goals, nine assists. I think he's 10th in the NCAA in scoring. And he's just been finishing, and that's what this team needs uh, eventually. So they've got two really good Hover Baker candidates. They've got uh, three, you know, a bunch of good kids in the, in the OHL. Carter Hart was out for the first few months of the season with Mono. He's back, and he's been phenomenal. He's probably going to be Canada's starting goalie in the World Juniors. Uh, he's already got a couple shutouts this season. He's been great. Felix Sandstrom, one of my favorite prospects, the Swedish goalie, has – before the season started, they were talking about how he might be having some abdominal surgery and he didn't have it. And now he's out and injured. And I think it's the same issue. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's like a muscular issue. It's something else going on. So hopefully he's back soon. But, um, but you know, the Flyers have just had a ton of prospects playing really well, especially over the last few weeks. And it's, it's exciting. So I think there's, you know, there's a lot of things to be excited about. I'm already, you can already tell I'm, I'm, I'm looking for things that I can get excited about if this team just keeps going down the shitter in the coming weeks, because it certainly could happen. But, but there's a lot of kids that I didn't even know that much about who are really excelling. Right. No, no, you touched on a guy that I, um, when I watched some of his videos when they drafted him, um, I was in awe and that's Isaac Radcliffe. I'm in awe of the fact that he has extremely good hands for somebody, his size, you know, you see a guy, a six six forward, um, and you just assume, you know, he's a big oaf of a person that just parks his ass in front of the net, screams the goalie, and you know most of his goals are going to come from deflections and things like that. But he has a unique combination of, you know, handle as as well as size, and he uses it to his advantage when you know he doesn't. He just drives to the net. And he puts on moves like you saw in that goal that you're talking about. And it's it's a unique player to have if he, you know, develops his game enough to, you know, be an NHLer one day. You know, all these guys that we're talking about, the bottom line is they still have a long way to go before they're even going to sniff wearing a Flyers jersey. And so many things can happen in that time for where they fall off. But that's a guy that I kind of have my eye on because – he could be such a unique weapon for this team that if he could develop his handling of the puck and he, and he could develop his shot a little more to go along with his size, he could be a, you know, a really good scoring threat for this team, you know, however, you know, three, four years from now or something like that. So I'm glad that he's finally picked it up. You know, he, all of these guys that you mentioned, you know, beginning of the season, you're kind of like, uh, that, you know, we don't know what we're going to get in the, the NHL club and now all these prospects that we're so high on are kind of, you know, starting off slow, but more directly, uh, I don't even know associated with the flyers right now are obviously the phantoms. Now Matt Reed was put on waivers and again for the second yes, time and nobody wants his ass and it pisses me off cause I want him off the flyers, but they put him back on waivers. Dale Weiss is a healthy scratch in the game against Vancouver already. Um, so it seems that the Flyers understand that they're having scoring problems, and I have the, a strong feeling that a move's coming soon, not in the way of a trade, but in the way of a call-up. So the hot names right now are Martel, Vecchioni, and of course everyone's favorite, Oscar Lindblom. Which of those three do you think gets the call-up first? Well, I don't think it's going to be Lindblom. Neither um, do I. 
because he simply hasn't been putting up the stats. I'm just pulling up the uh, the Phantoms um, stats this year. Danik Martell's been unbelievable. I, I I think he. I mean, I don't know if he's still leading the the AHL in points or in, in uh, goals, but he's got 14 goals in 17 games. He's just been on fire. And Vecchioni's got 18 points in 17 games. They're the two leading scorers on the team. Lindblom's got nine points in 17 games. He he started off slow. And then he got hot, but now he's cooled off again. So I don't think it's going to be him. Uh, I, I would put my money on Vecchioni being the first guy called up from the Phantoms just because the Flyers signed him last year. He was kind of a highly touted college prospect. And I think they probably want to give him the first shot. He's more of a playmaker than, than Danik Martell. So maybe Martell's the skill set they could use a little bit more. I'm hoping that ultimately both of these guys get a shot this year. Uh, you know, Vecchioni's 24 years old. Martel's 22. So I think it's going to be one of those two guys. What do you think? Uh, yeah. I mean, Martel has been killing it. So I think that, but then again, you know, they have, So I, I feel like they have a little bit more invested in Vecchioni just because, you know, they went out and got him at the end of last year. At this point, you know, for me, it's kind of a toss-up. I just want to see something done. I want to see something done in the way of that gives me assurance that they recognize there's a problem and they're doing something to address the problem. So I like Danik Martell's game. Um, the little bit I saw of Vecchioni last year, you know, he's, I think he's got some promise. Obviously he was a pretty damn good college player. Um, but I think that, and rightfully so, Oscar Lindblom is, as much as everyone's excited about him and, you know, you saw all the videos when he was, you know, overseas and everything like that, he's got a lot to work on. And I think he's going to be one of those guys that they're going to keep down there, you know, as much as they possibly can. You know, there's going to, you know, every time they do make a call, I mean, I don't say every time there's going to be a lot, but I think that he's going to be left down with the Phantoms for a large part, if not all of this season, to really develop his game. And I don't think it's a lock that he even makes the team next year, If you know, depending on how he develops this season. Um, but, yeah, either Martell or Vecchioni would be good with me. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, crust on this shit sandwich that I think needs to be cut off. Uh, they're trying as hard as they possibly can for somebody to pick up Matt Reed, but... I mean, no one is going to pick him up. So, you know, now that he's gone down, maybe we just leave him down and start giving other players down with the Phantoms a chance. Um, but like I said, I need something to give me reassurance that the Flyers are rec recognizing the problem with scoring and they're going to do something to shake up the lineup other than you know, just move the guys that are on the roster right now to different positions and different lines. Uh, so I think bringing somebody in, you know, could spark a bit of competition or something. You know, maybe you get somewhat of a spark. You know, this is generally an, an unmotivated team when they play. So maybe bringing somebody else in kind of motivates the older guys or something. I don't know, but they have to do something. So I'm good with either one of them. 
Yeah, I do want to say, you know, Phil Myers, your boy, and I like him a lot too, is, has had some injuries down there, some na- different nagging injuries. But he, he's got six points in 11 games for the Phantoms. As a uh-huh. defenseman, obviously, that's pretty good. So when he's played, I think Myers has been really good. The key with him is just going to be staying healthy. He's hasn't been able to stay healthy his entire career. It doesn't matter the level. So he's a guy that, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to see him this year for the Flyers. But um, he's been really good too. So. Yeah. Um... Real quick, you mentioned injury problems with Phil Myers. Uh, and I saw you getting into it a little bit on Twitter with some other... Uh... Me? Who, me? Yeah. <laughs> saw you getting into it with some other Twitterites um, about everybody's favorite son, Nolan Patrick. Um, <sighs> yeah, I, I hear it. With the Look, do you think that... This guy, this player that everyone has invested so much of their love and admiration is, is Nolan Patrick uh, injury prone in your eyes? Yeah, I think he is injury prone. I mean, here's here's when we won the lottery or got the second pick, my immediate reaction was absolute jubilation. Right. I mean, it's one of the most exciting things that's happened to us as, as fans of the Flyers. And then when I started looking into it a little bit more, I started having a concern that it would look like the Devils were going to take Nico Hishier. So then my concern was that we're going to end up taking a player who was going to have his career ruined by injuries, and we would have been better off picking ninth. Now, listen, that's obviously faulty logic. You want to pick second. You want to pick as high as possible. But I still have that concern. I've got this weird feeling about Nolan Patrick that he's just – I don't know. I don't know even how to how to describe it, but I get the sense around him. He's very quiet, very soft-spoken. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I – he's a guy who, if he keeps having a lot of these injuries, I don't know how – how long he'll be for the NHL. I feel like his, his dad's a really strange guy who I don't, I'm not sure how long his NHL career was, but um, I'm bottom line. I'm a little worried about Nolan Patrick. He had the concussion. He was out for a long time. What was out? Like almost a month. Yeah. It, he, he hadn't had any reported concussions before, but you know, either this was his first concussion and if it's his first concussion and he's out a month, that's not good. Or he's had previous concussions, which also isn't good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not only have you had the abdominal injuries, he had a knee injury his last year, juniors, he's broken his shoulder bone or his, his collarbone a bunch of times. He's clearly injury prone. People wanted to argue with me. He's not injury prone. He's just broken bones. And this is the first concussion. And, you know, the abdominal stuff was misdiagnosed. He's injury prone. Like, there's a reason that Travis Sanheim and Ivan Provorov, like, haven't had any major injuries their careers. Because mm-hmm. some guys are injury-prone, and some guys aren't. And Nolan Patrick is injury-prone. He's been Thousand injured percent. a lot. I mean, it's it's not that difficult to figure out. So, look, maybe he'll get over this and, and, and have a very long and healthy career and won't have more injuries, and he'll shake the injury-prone label. The odds are is he's going to continue to be injury-prone, and we just have to sort of hope that they're not super debilitating injuries. Look, he's he's probably already the best passer on the team, right? He's a great passer. He's set up some really nice goals. He's got great hands. He scored a really nice goal against the Flame. Yeah, he did. 
I'm a little concerned about how slow he looks out there. I mean, he sometimes I wonder if the abdominal issue is still bothering him because he just looks slow on the ice. He looks mm-hmm. like an elephant. He yeah. He look Joe Joe Thornton, who I like comparing him to, is a slow player and he's a great passer. And Thornton's a little bigger, but he's the guy that now I'm starting to hope that maybe Nolan Patrick is going to be sort of like a Joe Thornton because Thornton's really slow. Uh, but I'm a little concerned about about how slow Patrick's looked out there so you know well he look he's really young he's uh, he's got a hopefully a long NHL career ahead of him but I I certainly have some concerns about it uh yeah and I saw somebody's defense for him not being injury prone with the concussion was you know if anybody gets their head smashed on the glass they're gonna get a concussion which you know okay but I think there's a lot to be said you know, the abdominal thing, the knee thing, stuff like that. There's obviously a soft tissue issue with his, just his body, his genetics. You know, some people are more prone to the soft tissue stuff, hernias and tendon, you know, pulls and stuff like that. And clearly he is. And if you're telling me that he's broken his collarbone more than once, then Obviously, you know, that's an issue. You know, once you break a bone, you know, you you run the risk of breaking it again. And now that he has his first concussion, guess what, everyone? He's now prone to concussions. And that's not him. That's the world. When you get one concussion, you open up being prone to more and more. So, yeah, thousand percent, this guy's injury prone. If you're going to tell me that he's had, what, four or five major injuries before he even stepped foot on NHL ice then I would, I would consider that player to be injury-prone. So, again, people look at this team, people look at that player with orange-colored goggles, and they don't want to see what's in front of them as being the slightest bit negative. Everybody loves Nolan Patrick because of the miraculous jump the Flyers made from 9-2 to two to get him. Um, but I'm with you, I don't, and I don't, know if you, I don't know if you said it or not, but when they made that jump, the first thing I did was look at, all right, who were the top two guys? And I immediately zeroed in on Nico Heischer because just because I thought he was the player the Flyers needed. And, you know, when Nolan Vactor was sitting there, you're not going to not take him. So obviously they were going to draft him. But you always wonder if, you know, down the road, if he like if he makes it through this season without another injury, then great. Then you just let the kid go. But if he gets another injury to where he misses extended time, meaning a month or more, you got to wonder if the Flyers are going to start approaching him with kind of kid gloves and just, you know, put him almost in bubble wrap because they have so much invested in him. And you're absolutely right about how slow he is because I was watching the game against Calgary and I'm like, I'm watching him skate and I couldn't really see his number, but I said, who the fuck is that? And then he turned, like he turns, and I saw his number. I'm like, oh no, that that's not good. But yeah, the hands and everything else are there. And full disclosure, I'm not thrilled with what I've seen from him so far. It's been a very small sample size because he's missed so much time. But I don't know. And that's an unpopular opinion, and people, you know, will let you hear about it. But I don't know. So far, I'm not seeing. You know, I'm not really all that excited about Nolan Patrick. I see flashes. I see why he was drafted number two, but I'm just, uh, I'm not as enamored with him as a large majority of the fan base is. Yeah, I want to see what happens the rest of the year. You know, I, you know, he's still got a lot, a lot of potential, but um, 
he looked faster in the juniors two years ago than he does now. You know, he was blowing by Travis Sanheim in some of the highlights that, uh, that, you know, I pulled up and, um, and knee and abdominal so, injuries will slow you down if you get enough right. of them. So, obviously. you know, so if he, if he can have a, a rest of the year without another injury and continue to have a really good, I think he needs a, I think he needs an uninterrupted off season of training is probably what I think that he needs. I mean, he had the surgery this off season, uh, obviously when the draft season's as stressful as is. So I'd like to see him finish the year healthy and have a full off season. Maybe he can go do Ivan Provorov's secret workout routine with him and Mikhail Sergachev. And, uh, you know, although I don't think that maybe Nolan Patrick shouldn't be carrying tires up and down hills. That might aggravate the abdominal yeah. injury. But, Let's get uh, some Russian in him. Exactly. Let's take him, him to Siberia tough him up. Like, let's send him and Provorov to do a Rocky Four style workout in Siberia in a log cabin. And, you know, just have... That'll fix everything. Exactly. Have Provorov mend him into the Iron Man that Provorov himself is, and he'll come back and he'll be, you know, he'll be invincible. And that's what, you know, everyone will be thrilled. But, um, all right. So three games this week, Vancouver, and then two against the Islanders. Um, big games, as we mentioned, against the Islanders in particular. Uh, and that Black Friday game, which is always fun. So wh- wh- what do you see in these next three games? Let's let's do our little pick segment here. All right, I think they're going to beat Vancouver in overtime. I'm going to say four to three, beat Vancouver in overtime. Then the next day they got to go and play the Islanders at Barclays Center. I think that's a loss. I think they're going to lose. I think they'll lose four to two to the Islanders on Wednesday, and then they play the Islanders again at the Wells Fargo on Friday. I think that uh, man. I don't know. I think I'll give them a a, a shootout win against the Islanders, three to two. Hmm. The dreaded what shootout. Do you th- what do you think? I think they have to. I'm going to pick them against Vancouver for the simple fact that they have to, you know, go in there and, and kick their ass a little bit. Um, I'm going to key. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to say five two against uh, Vancouver. They're going to split with the Islanders. Uh, I think coming off. You know, they're going back-to-back back this week, Tuesday, Wednesday. I think they'll lose the game in Brooklyn. Uh, bit of a letdown, 4-1. to one, And then they'll come back on the uh, the Friday game at 4 p.m. And I'm going to just say that they're going to, like, have one of those games, those afternoon games where they have an explosion of goals. Let's say they beat them on Friday 6-2. to two Wow. Behind a strong... Uh, Goaltending performance by the Moose, as I guess they call him, uh, Brian Elliott. So yeah, okay, that's fair enough. And so, we got Thanksgiving in between. What are your plans for Thanksgiving? Are you going to be back in town? I uh, so I'm uh, going to my girlfriend's uncle's place out in Siasset on Long Island, oh. and then uh, yeah, and then actually Saturday night we're flying to Iceland. Holy for, shit! For yeah, for four. Three or four nights, we're going to Iceland. My girlfriend's always wanted to go to the the Blue Lagoon. They've got a swim up bar, so uh, you know we're gonna, you know, it's it's colder than most of the vacations I've taken, but right. I'm looking forward to to seeing some place that I've never seen before. 
Yeah, everyone what? wants to go to a colder place than they currently live. <laughs> what, for what, what, what do you got going? Uh, not much. Keep it low key for Thanksgiving. Cousin's house. I'm gonna, you know, do the whole split time on Thanksgiving. My okay. cousin's house for the early bit, and then the uh, the old lady's ha- or cousin's house for you know kind of the nightcap. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe a little drinking involved. Maybe uh, some Guinness. Guinness tasting. There could be. You never know. Um, I was just up in Boston. Had one Guinness at a place called JJ Foley's. Which is a very good bar if you're ever in Boston, and uh, good food there too. Pretty good Guinness. Um, but yeah, so just a low key Thanksgiving. Looking forward to a nice four day weekend away from work because I'm off Friday. Might get a little early Christmas shopping in. Who knows? But uh, just kind of lay low, drink a bit, and uh, just relax. That's what the holidays are all about, right? That's right. Exactly. Uh, lay back, eat some food, drink, and be tortured by our hockey team. That's what yeah. it's all about. Watch some football that isn't the Eagles on Thursday and just yeah. revel in the fact that we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right, Dan, it's that time of the uh, the show again. Give your shameless plugs and where everybody can read you, find you, and, and hear you uh, call Nolan Patrick injury prone. So uh, on Twitter, dsilver88, throw me a follow. And then uh, part of the great team over at www.phillyisflyer.com. We've got a great group of writers. Got some great articles coming out this week. There's going to be an interview with uh, Tony uh, Androkitis. I don't know if that's the right pronunciation. He, I think he it's writes Androkitis. 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 He writes about the Phantoms. Um, He's, uh, we got an interview that Anthony DeGrazio, our fearless leader, put together with him. So that's going to be up there and uh, some other good stuff over at phileasflyer.com. So those are the two, two places you can find me on the webs, the interwebs. And, uh, of course, visit the, uh, the new shop at Phileas Flyer. Um, the link of that is on the website. The link to this and other episodes of Getting Bullied is on the website as well. So definitely check them out. A um, little bit more diversity with the writing crew now. So uh, check all of them out because they're a great group and they know what the hell they're talking about. Um, as for myself, you could uh, follow me on Twitter at Mark Flagman. That's with two ends. Um, and you can uh, follow this show, which is really just me under a different handle, uh, at underscore getting bullied. No G, no second G in you know, getting but that's all right. Um, so everyone have a wonderful, safe, happy uh, Thanksgiving. And um, hopefully we get those two division wins against the Islanders. I guess I'll be back next week. Sounds like Dan's going to be in Iceland. So stay tuned to see who um, who I'm going to be going to war with next week. Uh, again, have a happy Thanksgiving and let's go Flyers.